Let's bow for a moment's prayer. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send out that word now. Send it into all our hearts, and there may it achieve its purposes, and it may it return to you, bringing a great harvest and all to your honor and glory. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this is a great chapter in Isaiah which contains within it an urgent and open invitation to seek the Lord. And the way to do that is straightforward. It is to cry out, Lord, I need you. It calls us to seek and to call. Nothing complicated about all of that. It's very simple. It's straightforward. So many times we know of even a child being able to do those things, seeking out and calling. That's what we're invited to do here. Seek the Lord and call upon Him. And this invitation comes with both a promise and a warning. First up, there is this great promise. The Bible tells us that we should seek God because He's near. He can be found. That means that even today, there is an opportunity. Seek the Lord, call upon Him while He is near. There's also a warning that goes with this. The invitation will not be held out indefinitely. There will come a time when he cannot be found, when he is no longer here sending out this gracious invitation. So we need to seek him. We need to call out while there's still time, whilst he is still nearby calling out to us. And yet, despite the invitation being so open and urgent, often people are slow to respond. Today, I want us to think about four reasons why all of us, whether for the very first time or in a new way, should seek God today and call upon Him. Four reasons to do it and four reasons not to delay in doing it. You see, there are all sorts of reasons why people put off responding to this invitation. And the first one's this. Often people don't respond to this invitation because, quite simply, they don't see their own need. It keeps them back from responding. What does our passage say in response to those who think, actually, in this life, for the time being, all is fine, all is well, seeking the Lord, calling upon Him. That may be something simply for another day in the future, but for the time being, I don't see, I don't feel any need to do that. Well, if you look in verse 7 of our passage, there we read 
that our ways are wicked and our thoughts are unrighteous. If we're to seek the Lord, we need to call out to Him in repentance and faith, and we need to leave behind wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts. Now, it could well be that today there's someone here, and they might say, well, when I look at myself, I don't think I'm particularly wicked. I don't think of my life as one which is especially marked out by unrighteousness. Why is it so important that today I seek the Lord and call out to Him? I'm sure all of us are familiar with the experience of meeting people, and they simply don't feel particularly guilty. They're not aware of any deep-seated need which would cause them to call upon God. Here, Isaiah described all of us by nature as being those who are spiritually bankrupt. They don't have anything to offer, anything to give. And I guess many people in our modern world where many people want to be spiritual people might not want to think of themselves as being spiritually bankrupt. But in all these things, in the end, our assessment of ourselves is not what ultimately counts. What matters more than anything else is how God, the great holy God of this world, how He sees us and how He judges us. And in His Word, God tells us that by nature, we all have a fundamental problem. Listen to the way that it's described in verse 8, because it maybe puts it to us in a slightly different way to the way that we might have thought it before. The Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. In other words, God says, for all of us by nature, there is something that's wrong with our thoughts and there is something which is wrong with our way through this life. Those things are out of sync with God's ways and God's thoughts. How out of step are we in the way in which we walk? Just how different are God's ways and thoughts from our, way, our ways and our thoughts? And here in Isaiah 55, the Lord God says, they are far more out of sync and far more out of step than we could even imagine. In our sin, the separation between us and God is absolutely vast. Listen to verse 9 because it again explains the flow of thought. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the question for us. Just how high are the heavens above the earth? And the numbers we know in all of this are quite simply staggering. We've heard about space in the past few weeks. India has landed a craft on the moon's south pole. 
and it's now sent a spacecraft to study the sun. That craft in four months will travel nearly a million miles. Distances like that we can't even get our head around. Or NASA, their Voyager 2 space probe. It is now some two billion miles away from Earth. The heavens are higher than the Earth. Even something like that, in the relative scheme of things, it is still nearby to this planet because physicists tell us that the edge of the observable universe is 46 billion light years from here. These distances are mind-boggling them. They're so huge that we can't even understand the numbers that are involved when it, we speak of them. But think of those things and listen to verse 9 again to try to feel the force of what it's saying to us. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is in reality an infinite distance. Our God is pure perfection of being. It's not just that we're small, we're also sinful, and therefore there is a great moral gap. We are impure and imperfect. How could we ever span that chasm? Well, if we want to know God's thoughts about who we really are, about why we're here in this world, if we want to understand properly what it is that's gone wrong with our world and how things could be put right, well, we are entirely dependent on God and what He says to us in the Scriptures that He brings to us. Finite and fallen creatures like this, we could never figure it out. We could never imagine. We need God to speak from heaven to us. And when he speaks in his word, he tells us in a simple and straightforward way that our ways are wicked and our thoughts are unrighteous. So don't delay. See your need and seek the Lord. That's one reason why people might delay. They don't actually see their need. But when we turn to the Word of God, then like a mirror, it shows what we're really like. Here's another second reason why people might put off responding to this wonderful invitation. Come today, come and seek the Lord. Some people delay because they miss the wonder of the gospel. You see, there are other people who would readily admit that our situation in this life is often desperate, perhaps even beyond hope. But they don't see any point in seeking God because they don't see what's so amazing about God's grace. And part of the problem is that too often we assume that God is rather like us. We assume that God operates in the way that we so often operate. How do we deal with sin? How do we deal with sin as humans? Well, some people in this world, they overlook it. They say, it's no big deal. It doesn't really matter that much. It's just being human. 
Other people insist that others must get what they deserve for their sin. And when it comes to us, forgiveness is something that often we find so difficult. Sometimes those three words, I forgive you, are the hardest three words to cross our lips. And even when we do forgive someone, we hardly ever forget because resentment and bitterness so often linger. But here's the thing. God's thoughts are completely different. And his ways when it comes to the gospel, they are altogether higher. If we can put it this way, some of the brightest stars that soar in all of this are God's thoughts of grace and mercy and compassion. One of God's most characteristic ways is to forgive and to pardon. And God's pardon is so different from ours. His pardon is abundant. It overflows. God is a God who loves to pardon the unpardonable. Such thoughts exceed what we can even imagine. These ways are immeasurably higher than the heavens. God's grace is absolutely amazing. It is far beyond our understanding. So seek the Lord and call upon Him because His grace really is amazing. Don't be conned into thinking that the gospel message is really simply something telling us that you really ought to try hard to be a better person. The good news of the gospel is unimaginable. The good news that sin and guilt can be paid for and covered. So don't delay because somehow or other you've allowed yourself to be blinded to the real amazing grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His thoughts and ways are vastly higher than ours. And our God is a God who loves to forgive. Here's a third reason why people might delay. I wonder, can you empathize with this? Some people think, I could never change. Isn't it true that so often the passing of the years breeds cynicism? Things never really change. I never really change. The older we get, the faster the years pass, and so often we end up presuming that life is nothing more than simply the same old, same old. But the next verses assure us that God not only has grace to forgive, He also has power to transform. And God brings His amazing grace into our lives through His Word. What's described for us in verses 10 and 11? It's another one of the ways in which God's thoughts and ways are off the scale in comparison to our thoughts and ways. Because all too often, our words are empty. Our words might express good intentions that we have, but they don't really have the power 
to carry through on the things that we really want to do. God's words are not like that. It's another one of the ways in which God is so unlike us. All too often we don't or we can't keep our promises. For us, often our words are empty. But God's words are not like that. The Creator is not like His creatures. God's words are never hollow and empty. They never return void. So don't underestimate the power of God's Word in your life. It is the power to be really effective. It is the power to transform. God's Word, it fulfills the purpose for which God sends it. Now, we get a beautiful description of how God brings His Word into our lives in these verses. It's in verse 10. And it's interesting because we've been thinking about this great chasm. We've been trying as much as we can to even contemplate just how high the heavens are above the earth. What a great gulf it is. Who can possibly span the, different, the distance between heaven and earth? Well, here in poetic language, Isaiah reminds us in verse 10 that the rain and snow do exactly that. They bridge the gap between the heavens and the earth. It symbolizes for us how God's Word bridges the gap between heaven and earth. It, cause, it crosses the great divide. Those words come and fall down to us, just where we are. And notice how Isaiah charts the four stages of this as the rain falls. It comes down from heaven and it waters the earth. It makes it bring forth and sprout. It gives seed to the sower and it provides bread for the eater. Just like the rain and snow, the word is a heavenly gift that comes down to us. Like the rain, it's something far beyond human control. We can't determine how it comes. We mainly receive it. And it comes, and when it arrives, it causes the land to bring forth and sprout. It can produce a great harvest. And then it brings forth the seed that can be ground into flour that gives bread to the eater. As the Word of God nourishes us, it provides us with food that gives us the spiritual satisfaction we crave. And then in turn, it can be sent out to other people again by the sower. There's awesome power and potential in God's Word to us. It does whatever God intends it to do. It has incredible power to change. And I love verse 13, because it says that instead of the thorn brush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. Now, the farmers and the gardeners here know thorns and briars all too well. But when the spiritual rain falls, God's Word produces something that we don't observe in the natural world. 
We're going to get a worked example of this probably this afternoon, aren't we, when the rain is going to come after a warm period. No doubt as soon as the rain arrives, things will grow again. And what will grow faster than anything else? Well, all the gardeners know that it will be the weeds that will grow most quickly. But when the Word of God comes down and falls into a repentant and believing heart, it changes us. When this happens, there is a great transformation. The showers of blessing that Isaiah describes turn a wasteland of weeds, what our lives are all too often like, into a beautiful garden which is planted with these trees and shrubs that we read about and we hear about the pine tree and the myrtle growing up. When God's Word falls in to a repentant, believing heart, it changes us. I wonder, have you become cynical about your own growth and grace? Do you really think deep down, I could never really change? These besetting sins that lie before me, they're with me for the rest of my life. There's no point seeking God today. There's no point calling upon Him because I could never change. It'll still just be the same old me. Isaiah says to us, not at all. The Word of God has great potential. It's part of save. It's part of forgive. It is part of sanctify and transform. One last thing as we close. Don't delay by forgetting what the final destination is. If you forget the final destination, well, then the urgency of the call will seem to be irrelevant. You'll put it off. You'll think that this is unimportant. But if you see where history is going to, if you understand the grand final destination, will that above all else is a reason to seek God today and to call upon Him while He is near. Verse 12, those who seek the Lord find Him and they go out in joy and they are led forth in peace. Great gospel blessings that Isaiah is speaking about. Real joy, lasting peace. Those things belong to those who seek God and find Him. And salvation is a journey that leads us to our eternal home in the new heavens and earth when the whole universe will be transformed, when the entire cosmos will be redeemed. The curse that brought death and destruction will be reversed and God's great purpose is that His people will praise and worship their Redeemer forever. Verse 13 tells us that all of this will be for the Lord's renown. It will be for the fame of God's great name. And at that time, when all of creation is redeemed, the creation itself will come alive with vibrant praise. And after this beautiful week that's passed of weather, we've seen so much of the beauty of those last late days of summer. And it helps us understand the things that are described in verse 12, the mountains, the hills, the trees, and the field. We have seen the beauty of flowers. Um, we've seen some of the early autumn colors starting to emerge. But just try 
even for a second, to imagine the beauty and the wonder of the heavenly harvest right at the end of the age. The mountains and the hills breaking forth into song. The trees of the field clapping their hands. We look out on a beautiful day like today. It's beautiful, but what we actually see is only a pale reflection of what they were once like before sin came into this world and ruined everything. And even the most vibrant and beautiful colors that we see today are still only a gray shadow of what we will one day see as God's people. At present, it's as if they're dormant, held in bondage. They are nothing compared to what they will be. When the Lord returns and when the presence of God covers the earth, well, then the trees and the hills will be so alive that it will seem as if they are singing and clapping for joy. And do you know what they'll be singing about? They will be praising the living word, the Lord Jesus, the only redeemer. But not everyone will get to witness the spectacle of that last great harvest day when everything comes alive at the redemption which Christ brings in. For some, the harvest will have passed and the summer will have ended and they were never saved. So don't delay. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And if you do that, well, then you will go forth in joy and be led forth in peace into the eternal harvest of God's kingdom. Amen.